I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. and all and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo and today I'm joined by two great writers who have many other strings to their bows as well. My first guest is a screenwriter, director and author whose coming-of-age novel and film, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, became a favourite to many around the world. Stephen Jabosky, hello, welcome. Hello. hello Joe, it's very good to see you. It's lovely to see you and looking so fresh after a flight. I know, I, you know, uh, I don't know what it is about me. I'm never jet lagged. I'm always well rested. Um, I'm going to be incredibly articulate and charming for you and your audience <laughs> and for, for, for my partner here, Elizabeth. <laughs> Indeed, your partner there, uh, my second guest, is a potter and author whose debut novel, The Doll Factory, was published earlier this year to rave reviews and awards. Elizabeth McNeil, hello to you. Hi there. Lovely thanks. to see you as yeah, well. And you. Thanks for having so me. Do you make more money as a writer or a potter? Writer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first question crossed up. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Sorry, Although yeah. your your pottery is uh, very popular, it is. It is. Um, it, it it's actually been really exciting to sort of see it see it develop. And I was really surprised actually that um, it has had the reception it has. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But we're here to talk about maybe a little bit of ceramics later, but <laughs> about your two new novels, and we're going to talk about your writing. And later on, at the end of the podcast, each of you is going to pitch a book that you love uh, and tell us why you love it. But Stephen, if I could come to you first, because you've just published your new novel, Imaginary Friend, and we're getting our money's worth here, aren't we? Because this is right. <laughs> this is a 700 plus yes. page epic. I've written, I've written an epic novel. I have, indeed. Um, is it, yeah, had m- you planned to write an, such an epic novel? No, I, I, that's a great question. So here it is. So here, the very first idea I had for this book was, remember when you were like, you were a little kid, we'd look up in the sky, you'd see the clouds. You'd mm. say, oh, it looks like a dog, a hammer, a face, whatever. We all did this. And then I thought, what would happen if a little boy realized that for the last two weeks it was always the same face looking back at him? I was like, oh, that's cool. So I just kind of followed that cloud. And I thought I was going to write a like fun little yarn, kind of scary, a lot of heart, you know, um, that would be maybe a novella. And I was, I was, I, I grossly underestimated what this thing was, gonna, and it just begged for this length, and it begged to be this. So yeah, I just followed the cloud. 
Wow, from a novella to 700 pages. I did. I, I, I admire that. That's that amazing, kind of discovery. isn't it? No, there were, I'm telling you, in the middle of it, sometimes I was like, am I out of my, what, what <laughs> happened? I don't understand. And yet every time I tried to curtail it or, or cheat the ending or whatever just to yeah. get to it, it just, it wouldn't let me do it. It was fascinating to see these characters demanded what, what, what I ultimately gave them. Well, tell us about Kate and her son Christopher then. Well, Kate Reese is a, she's a single mom. And she is fleeing from a very abusive relationship. And her little son, Christopher, he's seven and a half. And it's just them against the world. And I loved writing about, you know, uh, mothers and sons. Um, I'm very close to my mom. And once I had my own children, uh, my wife, Liz, I saw what she went through. So, yeah, it's just really these two blue-collar, you know, poor people that you wouldn't think are the perfect soldiers in this battle uh, of good good against evil, mm. but they, they're perfectly suited because of what they've been through um, to, to ultimately uh, take on the powers of darkness. I want to come back and talk in a minute about your inspirations for this and, and sort of how long it's taken you. But Elizabeth, if I could just come to you and talk about The Doll Factory, which came out in April, I think. May. May. May, but May the 2nd, so just squeak oh, only just. May. That's my mother's birthday. <laughs> is it? Yeah, oh, no wonder. It's a good day. day. <laughs> yeah, it is. She was 75 on your pub day. Look at wow. that. Wow. Fantastic. Well, belated happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well. Thank you very much. <laughs> For the publication day. Um, I spoke to an author called Martina Cole recently, and she yeah. said up until uh, quite recently, she thought pub day meant let's go to the pub and celebrate the book. Well, well it also yeah. meant that. Did it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, probably too much pub, too yeah, much may, celebration. Uh, too much pub. May, may, not... may the third was not a happy day for me. <laughs> I wonder if those two words are linked somehow. <laughs> but there was a lot of celebration and, and that's partly because it, it's done so well, this book. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's it's, it's, it's been kind of dizzying mm. to, see, to, to see it find readers, which is all I want really, to, yeah. to have people sit down and enjoy it and read it. And I couldn't really ask for more than that. So, For those who haven't read it yet, mm-hmm. uh, that may be listening, could you just give us a little taste of what that story is about? Yeah, so it's about Iris and she is this strangely beautiful young woman and she, work, she works in a doll making shop and by day she paints the china faces and the feet of the dolls. But at night, she sneaks down to the cellar of the doll-making shop and she paints real things. She paints self-portraits. And that's what she wants to do beyond anything. But she Mm. doesn't believe that she's able to escape um, that sort of stifling and oppressive world. Um, And then she's noticed by a member of the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, um, a group of painters. And and her life just changes and she finds herself catapulted into this kind of bohemian and decadent world of art and artists. But um, there is always a but in fiction. <laughs> and this but um, is Silas Reed. And he is this uh, sinister and deluded taxidermist um, who makes the creatures for the painters to include in their paintings. Like he makes um, Millet, the little brown mouse, for the right-hand bottom corner of his painting Mariana. And anyway, he sees Iris by chance at the construction site of the Great Exhibition. And that is when his obsession begins to darken. Mm-hmm. And darken mm-hmm. it does. I, has there ever been a lighthearted taxidermist? You know, <laughs> I know. I, I, I did worry about that. You know, am I? Is this? Is this a trope? And then I thought it's just too interesting. Yeah. All of the ideas of display, stillness, capture. That I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, have you gotten like angry emails from like the taxidermy society? It's like, listen, you're being horrible to us. We're really nice people. I did meet one taxidermist, and I told him I'd written about a taxidermist, and for some reason he got it into his head it was a positive taxidermist. He was like, I'm so excited. I only ever read negative accounts of them. And I was like, oh, God, don't read my book. Don't tell him the title. Don't tell him the title. But you um, are now in a position that 
Stephen was in, Elizabeth, yeah. 20 years ago, where uh-huh. you've, you've published that novel, a huge success, and, and now you've got to write another one. Yes, which 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 is both um, a privilege, a, a total privilege mm. that that my publisher would like to publish me again, and readers would like would hopefully like to read what I write. But it is also very strange writing with readers in mind for the first time and trying to forget them, which is the hardest thing. <laughs> and almost not kind of writing my negative Amazon reviews at the same time as I'm writing the book. Which um, so it's kind of an exercise in not psyching myself out mm. and I'll let you know how that goes <laughs> <laughs> because Stephen it's taken uh, it's 20 years since the last book 20 years 20 years yes. for this one to come and I know you've been busy because you've been you know working in Hollywood and directing movies and various other things but this is a book that you you didn't just sort of write in the last couple of years that you've been working and working on. Yeah, I've been working on this for the last 10 years off and on. Yeah. You know, the last decade of my life, ever since I met my now wife, then girlfriend Liz, um, has been the best decade I've ever had. And, you know, I got married. I have two mm-hmm. children now. I made the Perks movie. I directed the Wonder movie. I wrote Beauty and the Beast and mm-hmm. a bunch of other things. And so, but Imaginary Friend was always the, th- it was always the project I came back to. If I had three months off, I would give it everything I had. And then if I went off and made a movie for a year, year and a half, and then I would come back, it was always, yeah, it always kind of called me home. Because me- I mean, I'm talking like I'm an expert. <laughs> Films are a really, uh, you know, immersive thing, aren't they? But they are—they're all—they're all consuming. Once once that process starts, once you start, if you direct a movie, it is all in. It yeah. is. It is. It, I've never, to this day, I've never experienced anything quite like when you're shooting, post production, editing, pre production. You can kind of be a person mm. when you're actually shooting. It's 12 to 16 hours a day. It destroys your body. Um, it, the amount of stress it's it, I, I can't describe it it's it's it is the loneliest you're surrounded by people but you are the eye of the hurricane and and it, it is a fascinating uh, but I love doing it it's yeah. it's for a guy with ADD it's like per, it's perfect it's the perfect job yeah. <laughs> and also I guess it must to some degree be collaborative um, oh, that's whereas, the best. No, that's which the is best the best part. thing because you're... writing this solitary nature <laughs> yes, is sometimes exactly. I, I, I'd love to bounce ideas off other people yeah. and it's just well, like me an and assistant. my room yeah <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, is, it is very collaborative but the thing is you're almost like you're uh, uh, everyone else is doing all the work you're not doing really much of anything except for telling them how to do what they do and, yeah. but it's wonderful to see artists up close because I, I love my fellow artists whatever the discipline and it's it's wonderful because you actually directed one of my favorite books of the last 10 years which is Wonder by Oh, fantastic. RJ Palacio. Yes. Oh, do you do you like that book? Um I I haven't read it oh, embarrassingly okay. but the kids I used to childmind were crazy it about that book amazing. and I've got it on my shelves and I really need to read it. Oh, you'll read it, you know, really quickly as well. Yeah. Um and I just wonder because you'd adapted obviously your own book mm. and directed it. So how was it tackling RJ Palacio and and just being the director on that. Well, I think I think the difference between Perks and Wonder th- there are a few differences. The main one was I love that book so much yeah. that I felt like almost a I almost felt like a I don't know like a preacher. Like I wanted everybody to know about this book. I made the movie because my aim was I wanted in every fifth or sixth grade class in the world. I want I want to sell copies. I want I want to make the world a better place. Mm. By simply, you know, look, Hollywood basically gave me $20 million to make a book commercial. That's what I felt that I was making. <laughs> and so, and I did, and I was really proud. Like, the fact that in one year, she went from 6 million copies in print to 16 million. Wow. And, you know, we we did our job. <laughs> yeah. And it's taught in so many schools, and it, I can't say enough about it. The other thing that was wonderful about that process was I felt very freed 
because I was I was serving RJ's vision. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't like purse was all me, and so it was hard to let go of things. It, it things were more personal to me, and so it was harder to see it clearly. And the proof was in the pudding that uh, when I did um, Perks, I think it was probably twenty three minutes of deleted scenes. When I did Wonder, there was maybe three. Right. Okay. It was just okay. much clearer to yeah. see what what it needed. But brilliant that you were a fan of that book as well. So was it a project that you really wanted then? Very, oh, very much so. Because no. I'm evangelical about that book as well. Yes. Yeah, people, I want everyone to read it. It makes you a better person. Mm. And, and also even making the movie, being around the kids and seeing all these all these uh, amazing uh, actors. You know, I mean, Julie Roberts did it, Owen Wilson, Mandy Patinkin, all these like, David Diggs, who was yeah. in Hamilton. And watching how they changed, watching how they were inspired by being around the little kids, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there any um, whisperings for a screen adaptation of the doll factory there are in <gasps> fact when i was talking about my lunch of basically clarified butter on carbohydrate that was with the production company which um was exciting are you gonna write um, the screenplay i decided not to yeah um I, I i sort of felt like i needed distance from my book i, I feel like it took me quite a quite a long time to learn how to write a novel mm. and it's sort of it's a form that I now understand to an extent, and the idea of kind of switching to to a screenplay and having to learn all of the rules of that, mm-hmm. um, and also having to reimagine it for a different audience yeah. because people, you know, obviously viewers digest things so differently from readers, um, and I just didn't, I didn't feel like I had that kind of vision. I just do a very dogged replication of the book, which probably wouldn't work for TV. But mm. I'm I'm really excited about it. There's um, yeah, screenwriter and director about to be attached to it wow which is and really you know you know the people and and you're, you're excited about the filmmaking team oh they're yeah. fantastic yeah yeah yeah. i'm really i'm really excited it, it, it will be the strangest thing because even even having readers read my book i find brilliant that you know i've kind of let go of it and it's theirs mm. so the idea of actually seeing it on a screen and actually getting into the head of someone else's <laughs> vision of it will be oh i i can't wait it's interesting that that decision, and probably a really good one, because you knew that you know you knew this was the right decision for now for you, especially when you're writing you know your second novel or certainly the second yeah. novel to be published. Maybe that's somehow what writers fall, fall, fall down on, where they get offered something like a screenplay, and you go, yeah, yeah, I want to do it all, and actually you're saying, I really need, I just need to write the next novel now. yeah I need to be the novelist definitely and, and I'm a complete control freak so this has been <laughs> an amazing exercise in letting go and and same with the publication of my book I've I totally trust my publisher and it's been great to be like I'm not a cover designer this is an incredible cover that Katie Took has designed and, and things like that so it's yeah being been, been very healthy especially given my both of my careers are so <laughs> profoundly antisocial you know posture and writing just <laughs> just sat, yeah. sat sat alone at home yeah basically. me and my cat yeah <laughs> I, do, I do have a husband too but <laughs> you've met him <laughs> i have met him yeah he does exist he does yeah, exist he and there. he speaks <laughs> is he a taxidermist <laughs> he's not he's not oh my god <laughs> um screenwriting though Stephen, is what you learned first wasn't it isn't it? that's yes. that's how you well, yeah, well, my origin story was, so I'm 12 years old and I go to my dad. I said, dad, I want to be a writer. What I meant to say was novelist. I, I was just, I always wanted to be a novelist, but I said writer. And he said, well, great writers are great readers. And then he kind of like left the room to like smoke a cigarette and like watch the hockey game. And, and so it was good advice. What he was trying to tell me was, hey, you should read more books. Mm-hmm. But I didn't take it that way. I took it like, all right. He's my hero. Everything he says is fact. You know, and, you know that changed when I was 13, but I'm 12. And I go, okay, everything he says is true. And I thought, this is a moment frozen in time. So he knows I'm not a great reader. I'm a very slow reader, actually. Um, uh, but I 
I watch movies all the time. I guess mm-hmm. I read movies. All right, I write movies. That's literally why I chose. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. It was a practical decision made by a 12-year-old boy. Wow. And so all of my training, even though I feel like I'm a born novelist, that's what I really love doing the most, um, was, oh, yeah, everything was screenwriting. I went to film school. You know, I, yeah, I learned how to write m- m- novels by writing screenplays. I've never taken a fiction class, nothing. Mm. Wow. And, that, and so when you, when you wrote your first book, was it just, um, I just want to do this? Yeah, that was, that was simply... Yeah, you know, The Perks of Being a Wallflower came from, you know, I went through a very bad breakup and just Charlie's voice and that, the, 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 the epistolary style and the letters and everything, it just, it really helped me. I was in a really, really bad place. And he was my ticket out of, of darkness, basically. Right. right, wow. And this latest book, your new one, it's got those horror sort of fairy tale elements to mm-hmm. it which i couldn't help thinking of a sort of stephen king comparison to it when when i was reading it yeah and i so i had to ask i'm, I'm sure he's probably quite an inspiration to you oh yeah he's my favorite writer is uh, he of, of, all, of time. all time yes yeah. uh, you know um i you know people could argue that there are better uh you know stylists and, and, and people that write maybe more lyrical prose etc mm. in terms of pure storytelling it's hard to think of anybody better than him in the last 50 years yeah. You know, it'd be, yeah, I'd be hard pressed. He was, and back when I was 12, he was the one person I read. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it was him in movies. Yeah, well, also, he, he's written a fair few good movies as well, or rather the adaptations oh, of yeah, his books. No, that, you yeah. know. <laughs> he, he taught me, he taught me, like, just studying his work, how important a great movie adaptation can be for a yeah. book. And, you know, he was, imagine that streak of the first five, six movies made of his books were fantastic films for yeah. the most part and and you know it, he, so much of his reputation was built on that and that's why we you know he was able to kind of almost become a legend by the time I think he was like 35 yeah it was nuts wasn't it yes he was, was really quite young <laughs> um elizabeth Stephen asked earlier about your pottery and the writing which yeah. do you make more money out of um <laughs> i want to come back and talk about the pottery <laughs> the <big> though <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about the finances but i do want to talk about the pottery which is obviously something that you've been doing for a long time and whether yeah. that sits nicely alongside your writing or do you feel when you're doing one that you should be doing the other? Um, since since I got the book deal, um, it's with with pottery. Sometimes it has become a bit of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> but I have to kind of realise that I have to do, I have to do both of them um, because if I just sit at my desk all the time and I just write, I find that I get I get quite. My, my prose becomes quite flat and sometimes okay. I just need to go and do something different um, and I also need to think about things without even realising I'm thinking about them um, and pottery is really good for that because mm. I've also got um, a Scottish Protestant work ethic and then <laughs> then to sort of be able to think about things but also make things at the same time so I, I still feel like I'm achieving something so I can then you know when I'm struggling with writing I can then go to the pottery shed and throw 20 mugs but you know when you're doing something mechanical and repetitive with your hands it kind of intensifies the mind mm. um and so i'll kind of work out thorny plot points and listen to audiobooks too because um yeah. you know I, I i find i pick up a lot through audiobooks in a way that i don't through reading you know just kind of the rhythms and the cadences of language as well as the fact that i'll be in the pottery shed pretty much for for 10 12 hours a day and that's about the length of an audiobook <laughs> so i will have listened to a book all in one go. So I'll sort of, without even realising, have picked up what an arc should be like, you know, structure. So you've and read everything. a book and thrown 20 pots and, the, and at the same time? And worked a thorny plot point. <laughs> so, but wow. I haven't written a word. <laughs> yeah, I think I smoke pot. No, it, <laughs> so well done. No, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I do that. That's how I treat movies, uh, kind of the way you treat your pottery, is that 
going movies then back to books each keeps the other honest and each keeps yeah. the other mm-hmm. fresh because you're not just in one place how people do only one thing is beyond me I don't know how they do it mm-hmm. yeah just write all the time all I the just, time yeah I, I, I think I'd go mad uh, so would I um, yeah I need it and, and the lessons too you can learn from pottery like I sort of tell myself I've made a mug I can make another mug I've, ma- I've written a book I can write another yeah. book and I yeah. try and kind of reassure myself and sometimes yeah the pots are wonky but that's all right but they look <laughs> I great I don't know what the metaphor was there but <laughs> <laughs> but is there a, is there is films your escapism from writing is that a break from writing I don't mean making them I mean you know viewing them absolutely yeah. I, I, I love watching films and now it's it's such the golden age of television it now really with, is yeah. with, with all the, the different streamers there's so much good content being made that that Honestly, I, I you, it's impossible to keep up. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'll view. And, you know, one really interesting, we were talking earlier before we came on air, um, The Handmaid's Tale. And just watching that show, Yeah, uh, uh, I watched that, I don't know, was, I think I started binging Catching Up a few months ago. And I became incredibly inspired to go back and read the book. Stephen, Imaginary Friend is, is crying out for a screen adaptation, isn't it, as well? Oh, yes. oh do you see it? It's more TV series. It could, it's, it's so complex. Yes. Either. I think it's going to be, my guess is it ultimately will become either a couple of movies, like a trilogy, or it will become a, a series. Absolutely. Wow. You know, when I did, when I when I adapted The Perks of Being a Wallflower, you know, I wrote the novel, screenplay, and directed it. Um, many authors have done that once. I think I might be the first that ever does it twice. And you, so you will write and direct? 100%. Wow. I'm writing it now. Okay. Oh, you're really? doing it now, okay. And would your do you, do you have a preference, TV or I have or no preference. Film? You know, no. one thing I've learned is is you know uh, I, I'm basically writing it. I'm doing the, the best I can to adapt, and then I'm going to let tomorrow tell me if today's any good. And if if it ends up being so many pages, then it, it really is a series of movies. If it becomes longer, it's a television show. I think sometimes. Listen, I, I won't say anything. I have not seen the movie of the Goldfinch. I don't know anything about the the film at all. But but. Having read that book and having loved that book, I was like, "Oh, I really wish they'd done a prestigious ten-hour, mm. you know, yeah. you know, uh, series because there's so much, and and I thought it would be better served." So I don't, I, I let the content dictate the form, not the other way around. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Well, it's time for the book off now, and this is where each of you gets three minutes on the clock to tell us about a book you absolutely love. This could be any book. It could be a fiction book, a classic, a non-fiction, some poetry. It could be a play. It could be anything at all. Uh, it just has to be something that you think we should all read. Uh, so, Stephen, I'm going to come to you first to ask what book you are putting up for the book off. You know, it is amazing. I planned to talk about Stephen King's The Stand before we began. That was one the one I chose. And since our discussion started, I want to choose R.J. Palacio's Wonder. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So you came ready to talk about Stephen King. I completely came talking about Stephen <laughs> King because it's, it's actually a much better comparison to my new book, Imaginary Friend. Yep. However, because, uh, you know, the idea of like being an evangelist for a book, I was like, yes. You know, what do you think? Is that okay? Of course you it's okay. You know, and, and you can you can change it even before you start. But yeah, RJ Palacio, wonder. Okay, great. Uh, and Elizabeth, what book are you going to be talking about? I'm going to talk about Perfume by Patrick Siskind. Siskind? Siskind. There's an umlaut. An umlaut? An okay. umlaut. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so, I, I apologize for what I just did there. The, the, no, there's, no, there's no umlaut in uh, Palacio. <laughs> no, there's no umlaut in Palacio. I'm going to get three minutes on the clock. Um, Stephen, would you like to go first or second? Uh, you tell me. Oh, no, no, whichever you prefer. I'll oh, be so very polite. British. Oh, no, no, up to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, I will go first and okay. give you three minutes to formulate your and answer. And Elizabeth will go second. All right, well, Elizabeth, then you get to choose whether you'd like to be rung out at your three minutes or honked out. Oh, um, honk. <laughs> You're going to have I, I, yeah. the honker. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's the bell for you, Stephen, all right? Oh, wow. Um, I, see, yeah. I didn't know. I would have said ladies first. <laughs> wow, you get the honker. I'm so, my God. It's got such comedic value. I, I, I it really that. does, yeah. yes. Fantastic. Um, so I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. As I say, you don't have to use them all, but as soon as we hit three minutes, you'll be hearing that. Okay, all right? great. So it's over to you, Stephen, <laughs> to tell us about Wonder by R.J. Palacio. Okay, my book, Wonder, R.J. Palacio. Many years ago, I was sent this book, and I didn't know what to expect of it. People just said it was about a little kid who had a facial difference, what people used to call a deformity or disfigurement. He has a condition called Treacher-Collins syndrome. I began reading this book, and it was a lovely story, and there he was, and he was going to school for the first time, and his parents were very supportive, and he made a friend, and as it turns out, maybe his friend wasn't so nice. And so I was reading it just thinking, oh, this is just a lovely little story about this little boy. And then you turn the page— it's on page 73, if memory serves. Maybe different here in the UK. And then it said, via. And the minute it switched points of view from him, little Augie Pullman, to his sister, Via Pullman, I, I went, I think I now understand why millions of people love this book. Because it's not a story about a little kid with a facial difference. It is about his decision to go to a school, about how his sister lives in the shadow of, of him. Like, yes, his sister is is beautiful and, and she has no facial difference. and She has all these all these advantages. But guess who gets all 99% of mom and dad's attention? It's Augie. Oh, yes, and Augie's friend, Jack Will. Um, yes, he is a great looking kid, but guess, you know, when he goes home, he's poor and he has those struggles. And they're th so every character that you think that you know from one page to the next, you don't know anybody. And by the end of the book, you love everybody in that book, with maybe the exception of the bully Julian, although I worked very hard in the movie adaptation to make you care about him in the same way. So all I have to say is, if you have a young person and you want to instruct them about empathy, kindness, um, compassion, uh, 
it, just the idea of, of wearing somebody else's shoes for, for uh, you know, to walk in somebody else's shoes for a while, you would be very hard-pressed to find a better book than Wonder. I also say very proudly as an American author um, and someone that, that wrote a coming-of-age story in The Perks of Being a Wallflower and now in a supernatural coming-of-age story um, with Imaginary Friend is in terms of young adult fiction, I believe from an American standpoint, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is probably the best book written about young people in the last however many decades in America. And I really genuinely believe that Wonder is second. I believe that that it is an American classic and a worldwide classic. And I'm very proud to have made, uh, you know, as I said before, to have made the movie just to let people know about this book. It was It was an honor to serve it. And I don't know how much time we have left you know, You've got have, 20 seconds I've, if you want it. All right, I have 20 seconds left. So Imaginary Friend, my book, is, <laughs> <laughs> is fantastic. It chills. You'll laugh. You'll cry. It'll become a part of you. It is this year's The Doll Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, brilliant. I love it. Um, wow, great pitch. So much passion in it. And we will talk about Wonder a bit more uh, afterwards. But you can have a rest now. You can have a breather. Oh, yes. I, I'm very excited to hear about Perfume. <laughs> yeah. Because which I also hear is this year's imaginary friend. But please, go ahead. <laughs> have, you read, have you read Perfume? I have not. No. Oh, Sadly, oh. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm buying your book after this. And you're oh. going to sign it. But maybe I'll buy Perfume as well. Three minutes back on the clock then, Elizabeth, for you to tell us about Perfume. Okay, so as you said, I'm going to talk about perfume. Um, and I first came across this book when I was doing my creative writing masters at UEA. Um, and I was doing a course in historical fiction. And this book came up and it was it, it was actually at a time where I was kind of struggling with the idea of what I should write. And it felt like everyone else on my course was starting their novels. And, you know, my tutor was saying, what, what what's your novel about? And I didn't know. I just felt very constrained and very much like I had to kind of describe what my book was and then I read I, I picked up picked up perfume for the course and I just found it a tremendous liberation um so it's about Jean-Baptiste Gren, Grenouille is that how you pronounce frog in French um <laughs> I've, I've done terrible German and now I'm doing terrible French so um, I'll say yes you'll yes. say yes um <laughs> and yeah yeah <laughs> and uh he he is this um He's got this incredibly strong sense of smell um, and he's this orphaned boy um, who grows up in Paris. Um, but then he, with with this strong sense of smell, um, he starts to make perfumes um, and then he sort of catches the scent of this beautiful young woman and he goes after her and he kills her for her scent. Um, and it's an incredibly dark book. Um it, and, and I didn't want to write a book which was that dark, but I did, when I was reading this, I thought, you know, what what on earth is this book? Is it crime, horror, historical, magical realism? He, he goes into a cave for a while and kind of has some romantic, with a capital R, thoughts. Um, and... <laughs> And uh, and and it sort of felt like it didn't matter. It didn't have to be fitted into these genre buckets. The fact is, it's an incredibly compelling story and incredibly well written. And I just thought that that was that was sort of brilliant that he had just gone and written this book. Um, and then when I started 
writing a, a sort of a few weeks later, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to think about what buckets my book should fall into. I'm just going to write the book, which I want to write, and throw all of my interests at it. And if if those interests are unique to me and this book doesn't sell, then so be it. But at least I've I've tried. Um, so I, I, do, do I even need the honker? I'm going to honk you anyway. You're going to honk yeah. me. <laughs> With an, we're also with about 20 seconds to go. There. Well so that, was, that was fantastic. I'm very, very well pitched. You know, you know, who, there's a group that loves perfume. Do you know about this? No. Taxidermists. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they do. There's actually no taxidermy in there. In uh, perfume, it's sort no. Of, it's sort of vanity. You know what? One thing yeah. that's missing. Yeah. That's why yours is better. That's it. <laughs> that's why. What I loved about um, your pitch, Stephen, there for, for Wonder is um, you said was you were describing reading it like I think I remember reading it which was oh this is a lovely book yeah and it is there's there is that moment where suddenly it, be, it doesn't just become a lovely book about a character you you care about it just becomes sort of unbelievably sad and wonderful at the same time yes. and heartwarming and you know it Although, begins to feel like real life. The it minute does, you, yeah. The minute you so. switch to the sister's point of view and you realize that the whole thing, that you're not on solid ground, whatever whatever prejudice, just meaning to prejudge, whatever you brought into this book, it is about to unmask that. Mm. And, by, and as you keep reading, it becomes deeply like real life. It is funny and it is so, it is, it is very, very hard. It is funny. And I yeah. think it's relatable to, you know, to loads of people because they can see their own situations in mm-hmm. the book yeah. as well. And, and in Imaginary Friend, one thing which I absolutely loved doing was how you gave humanity to so many of the characters, like even the bully Brady. Mm. You know, he's he's got his own trauma and he is a bully because his mother has put him in well, the dog kennel. Yeah, you know, you know? yes, it was... Uh, Writing that, I, I again, with these things, I love setting up characters that you think they're the villain and then once you really understand what's going mm. on, you have, listen, you, you can't excuse their actions necessarily, mm. but you can at least sympathize about why they feel that way. Yeah, and you, you see why someone might be as they are, yeah. like a character. Yes, and removing the layers. One thing that R.J. Palacio doesn't wonder, which I try to do in Imaginary Friend, is it is, it's like peeling an onion. You think yeah. it's this, and then, oh no, and then it's one more layer and one more layer. And so in my book, the fact that that things can be either supernatural or they can be in the real world, that fear or the things that we struggle with, um, they're the same all over. Yeah. And Elizabeth, what I loved is about your pitch is the fact that this book is sort of, it told you to just go and write what you wanted to write, yeah. which is a f- huge message and a very powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. And when 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 you come across a book like that, it's just it's just so exciting, mm. you know. Just all, all of a sudden, kind of literature kind of sort of opens up to you, and yeah, I, a I, book I, that sort of unlocks that creativity that you needed. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so, was the book you were writing for your masters? Did that end up becoming the Doll Factory? Or was that uh, so? I, I it did, but I only started writing it at the very end of the ah, course. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, it was it, it, before that. I was just writing short stories because I was trying to understand, you know, how does narrative work? Mm. How 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 do I change things within a short number of words? You yeah. know, um, payoffs and all of all of those things. <laughs> all of that. All, <laughs> all of that, that stuff. And also just just finding finding a voice which sort of seized me yeah. and sort of demanded to be heard, and that and you know, my collector came out of a short story. Yeah. And I love the the non-genre-specific non-genre book as well. It's like, wh- where does this go? Where does perfume go? Who yeah. cares? Yeah, yeah, Just who read cares? It, you know? it's, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, well, both fantastic pictures, uh, which I loved. And 
Both books I have read. I've got to pick one because that's the game uh, to take home with us. And I will take home Wonder by RJ Palacio. Because you had already described yourself as evangelical about I know, it. So but, it didn't come as a huge no, surprise. But, you know, that, that, <laughs> do I get money for that? There's no, there's no money. Oh, then, you know, pick you, perfume. I'll give, you, I'll give you another one of those yeah. or something. Um, I, no, but, I could I, make you a trophy out of clay. Please <laughs> yeah. do. That would be wonderful. You could say I was bias about it Elizabeth that's true but then I also <laughs> no no I'm not, I'm not a sore loser felt, don't worry <laughs> I also felt that yeah it is a, a book that I'd definitely feel a similar passion about as you and it's think. yeah there's more redemption possibly maybe than, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> tell you what though the whole darkness weirdness of perfume is is really I mean I'm quite tempted to read it because yeah. of that yeah. I have to say too is I love the idea of what you said it, it, that it defies genre mm. that it can be mm. all things that's mm. really exciting that's what when I was working on Imaginary Friend I thought I want to do a book of like all things and I'm very excited to read your book I have to say oh thank you very excited thank you Books of all things, indeed. Uh, we are talking about Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky, which is published now by Orion, and The Doll Factory by Elizabeth McNeil, which is published by Picador and also available now. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure spending 45 minutes cooped up in a studio with you two. Thank you very much for Wonderful. joining me. I had a great time. Um, me too. And best of luck with the book, Stephen, that's just coming out, the adaptation, and with novel number two, Elizabeth. Thank you. We wish you, Do you have a title. All the best. I don't. Which is which is. I need to get one because I need. Yeah, I well, eventually, need a, yes. Yeah. Well, I, well, yeah, that's true. Do you feel you need <laughs> one to two. write it? Though, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I need to think it's a thing. Yeah. It's actually a novel. It needs to, and then it sort of has its shape almost. So yeah, okay, that's interesting. Rather than it just being like, oh, working title or yeah, at the moment it's just, just novel too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the most inspiring, is it? <laughs> um, lovely to see you both, and thanks very much for joining me. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.